This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we have massive free agency news to dive into again, and a lot of it. Ty, since Griff and I talked about Draymond Jones and some other dealings, Seattle went in on the second wave, the third wave, the tender wave. Where do you want to start with this? Should we start in chronological order? Oh, that's, a... that's asking a lot of me. Mm. I mean, like Evan Brown was the first signing after. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. the name. So, my, so... Uh, my brother, Evan Brown. We're oh, related. Brown's not a common surname. Yeah. That's right. That's there right. There you go. Yep. Um, it's like you and Evan Hill did the fusion dance. And you got <laughs> Evan Brown. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Evan Brown signs a one-year deal. Uh, former uh, center slash guard from the Lions. Mostly played right guard this past year. Uh, had some issues in pass protection per reports uh, over the course of the year as a right guard, but has historically been a pretty good center, um, especially in pass pro. And uh, that's where John Schneider has essentially said that's where he he needs to play. So the Seahawks, Maddie, seem to have Austin Blythe's replacement. Yeah, and this is cool because he's mainly been a center, right? Like the only reason he was a right guard for Detroit last year was kind of due to circumstance the way that they constructed their line Mm -hmm. but in 2021 he played center for them you know he came out as an undrafted free agent from southern methodist where he was a center and he's really smart in in that aspect i think he had an offer to go to yale so you know Mm. all those brains on him Mm. but also what the difference is with him who turns 27 years old in september is that I think he has a bit more of an anchor. And, you know, I've done some Bill Belichick style staring at uh, his bottom to to see see how the anchor's looking. He looks heavy in the pants. It, and mm. the tape matches that. Like, he anchors okay. He also can move people in the run game. He had some beautiful combination blocks as a guard last year. Like, I, I did videos on the Detroit Lions uh, rushing attack, and he was moving people. And so... Compared to Blythe, I think you'll you'll get a bit more out of them in the run game, and hopefully still at the right calls. Should also say that Detroit's offensive style is there's similarities to what Seattle's doing, 
where, you know, it shouldn't be too much for him to pick up the new offense year one. Mm. And the, yeah, and then I think there's there's just a bit more potential from the way that he can anchor his power and and ability to move people than what Blythe brought. The, the problem is, like, the pass protection at guard was tough. At center, he sometimes has slow feet. Sure. But... And maybe, you know, he, he'd get lighter to play center again because he was playing like for 320 pounds, which is, you know, that's heavy in the pants. But overall, Jen, Jen like in the a, chat really likes that term, by the way. There you go. Yeah. Just, we're just talking football, scouting, no, that's right. scouting yeah, yeah. terms, yeah, yeah. jargon. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's a, it seems like a cool lad and very interesting as well. When uh, Schneider mm-hmm. went on Wyman and Bob, his radio show, he said that the Seahawks front office when they meet in December and January to talk over what free agents are popping, who should we really be looking to pick up? Evan Brown was one of these guys who they right. identified as a big target. Obviously you have to wait to see how free agency shakes out. Cause one team might offer more. Detroit might have decided to resign him, mm. but the fact that he became available and Ty, they got a really good deal here financially. It's just, it just seems like a great ad, uh, which, you know, covers this season gives him a chance to prove it but also if they were to you know keeps their options open in the draft and and everything else yeah it's a 2.25 million dollar cap it overall Cash 1. Man. 2, yeah there you go uh 1.25 uh, million dollar base salary with a uh, 1 million dollar bonus it's um and it doesn't prohibit the the Seahawks from doing really anything that they want to do with the offensive line with regards to the draft. If they do, you know, if they do really like John Michael Schmitz, uh, if they do like someone like Steve Avila, they can still do that if they want to, uh, because this is only a one year solution. Uh, but I think that this, um, I, I think that Brown, just given what we've seen, especially from him at center, has the potential to be one of the better centers that they've had as of late. Now. You know, for some, that's a pretty low bar to clear, but uh, I, I think uh, you know fans should be pretty excited about this one. Definitely, definitely. And twenty twenty one, when he played center, twelve games started there for the Lions. So he didn't play all of football, but it's kind of that. You know, th- this is why you're able to get someone on a one year deal for this price point and th- th- this deal length because they haven't quite fully proved it, but they appear to be ascending. And this mm-hmm. is the opportunity to go and prove it. And yeah. you, you know, it's been rumored in the draft that they like a John Michael Schmitz out of uh, Minnesota. There's also Luke Whitepler out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. There's another name that I'm blanking on. There out you of, go. And then the, yeah. the Arkansas dude who uh, Stromberg, right? Yeah. I yeah. believe so. Yes. So, you know, they. They've kept their options open, but they've also filled like the most obvious hole for I think cheaper than expected. Like yeah. a lot of Lions fans are thinking this guy was going to get significantly more money. So yeah, I believe I some think- of the um, you know some of the outlets like Over the Cap and uh, Spot Track that have like valuations on them had him around like a ten million dollar player this past year. Yeah, yeah. So and he ends up being essentially two million dollars cheaper uh, towards the cap than Blythe was last year. And that speaks to how like the league undervalues centers or just doesn't value centers that highly. And Seattle's approach in recent years has been, okay, we're just going to get a guy on a one-year deal and, right. and we'll see, we'll roll with it. It is, it is interesting that he didn't get more money. I guess also the motivation for him is, hey, I'm coming in here. They have an opening at center, 
yeah, they mm. might draft someone, but it's my spot to lose. And that is a big chance for Evan Brown to go prove himself. So, yeah, can't see how this isn't a positive. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pretty uh, interesting ad for the Seahawks. Uh, so I believe the, the next one uh, to talk about is Drew Locke, which John Schneider nearly broke on his appearance on 710 uh, Seattle Sports, uh, but uh, Mike Garofalo beat him by a couple of minutes um the interesting thing here so i believe it's a uh, i'm just kind of going off top here correct me if i'm wrong i believe it's man yeah well this one i don't have in front of me so i believe it's a one year 4.5 million dollar deal is one year four million dollar deal with it's with incentives i can kick it up to seven and a half million yes yes okay uh interesting though when uh, Schneider was talking about it with um, Bob and uh, Wyman, uh, he said uh, when they mentioned that Garofalo re, uh, or reported it, he was like, yeah, it's probably going to be about $7 million more than it actually is. So we don't have official like cap number on that as far as I'm aware. Um, so we'll see but uh, what that actually turns out to be. But it seems like the, the Seahawks quarterback room for 2023 is solidified. Yeah, and it was big because, you know, Drew Locke perhaps could have gone elsewhere. I know that the quarterback needy teams have, you know, like the Buccaneers went with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Vacancies have been filled with different players. And so maybe Locke's options ran out. But this is still a good opportunity for him to return to the environment that the Seahawks have, which I think he enjoyed. And he, Gino Smith described how they have a tight-knit quarterback room. Right. And that's obviously big positives for Locke. Yeah, Schneider Locke. talked about how how much those guys have been very supportive of one another over the, you know, not just over the course of the the camp battle, but over the course of the season as well. Yeah, and that money does look quite high, and Schneider did say, like, uh, you know, he's like half joking through all of this. He did say right. how uh, that that wasn't too ba- far off from, it was Mike uh, Garofolo who reported the numbers. He said right. it wasn't too far off, but... um. Yeah, that is slightly high now, I guess, because your your cap spent on the quarterback position, given Gino's low hit this year, isn't isn't massive. the The sell really is that Locke can have a great preseason. He'll play more because Gino's the actual starter. Mm-hmm. He hopefully won't get sick again, and he'll be able to showcase the talent that Seattle has with another year learning the system and stuff. He won't make as mm-hmm. many mistakes, and maybe then Seattle can flip him for a. For a pick, because uh, right now, uh, along with being Geno protection or, or like insurance, but really this is kind of a development project where Schneider's obviously enamored with, think about the quarterbacks he's liked. He's liked mm-hmm. the traitsy guys who have crazy arms and can throw yeah. on the move and extend plays. You know, the extreme examples being Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who that we know Seattle was interested in. Locke has elements of that to his game you know the crazy arm the ability to throw on the move the the kind of wow off platform stuff you know the mm. real wow traitsy stuff which is fashionable the mm. stuff which people has people thinking oh the seahawks might like anthony richardson but like Locke is kind of that guy for schneider uh, as evidenced by this re-signing as evidenced by him wanting him in the russell wilson trade and the fact mm. that there was genuine talk before the season in the preseason the lock was the guy not geno smith mm. now obviously things have played out differently but this is still an opportunity for Seattle to keep trying to develop Locke. And yeah, they might just get a pick from it. I don't know. Would, could it be, a, you know, you could even have a situation where, I mean, hopefully this doesn't happen, but say Geno Smith got hurt, Locke played really well down the stretch. 
rather than having to re-sign Locke to a deal, you could tag him and then trade him. You know, there's there's different ways to do it. Right. Yeah. So they they have a an abundance of options here with him, but I, I do think that this is someone that they want to keep around. Um, and essentially uh, do what they did with Gino and just continually sign him to one-year deals, keep him in-house, keep him around, keep developing him, uh, keep working with him. And then, you know, if eventually his, his time comes to, uh, to get under center there, then, um, you know, maybe they've, uh, they've worked on some things and figured some things out with him. That would um, be awesome if they could do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be very cool. It yeah. just requires... Lock to remain patient and have faith, a lot of faith, really, because it's a long, long time waiting, which obviously Gino went through. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, we got a donation here from Scott. Scott says props to Maddie and shout out to Ty. Never miss Locked On. Let's get Colby's sourpuss on the show for giggles. Uh, do you think all the short term deals correlates to a potential near uh, team sale, near term sale? Um. Wow, that's a spicy question. That Thank is you, a spicy. That is a spicy question. Uh, gut reaction? No, I don't think so. I, you know, this is kind of typically how the Seahawks have operated in free agency. This isn't really any different than we've seen in the past. You know, really, the only different thing that we saw was like they handed out their biggest contract to to Draymond Jones. You know, that was a pretty big surprise with uh, the way that. Yeah, you know, I mean, they just they never really do anything during the legal tampering period. That's like that. That's of that kind of mag- magnitude with someone like you know a Draymond Jones. So that's really the only thing that they've really bucked trend with. Yeah, I think it's more about like it's more about they have a relatively young roster, right? Other yeah. than the quarterback, it's keeping their options open, and it's like they look who they've signed. They've signed like ascending players, generally speaking, to like. Even Draymond Jones, his contract's basically a two-year deal. Right. So it's kind of, you know, if, if you prove it, then maybe we'll give you a longer extension. But if not, you can do a job for us in the me- the short term while we mm-hmm. get another draft class in to uh, kind of replenish the roster. They're also dealing with the fact that, you know, they had a short, you know, a very tiny draft class, what, in 2020 with just mm-hmm. four picks. So th- right, they, yeah. they sort of have to... They're, they're building their window. It's a bit like, you know, you can liken it to 2011, 2012 for the, the period of the team. So, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the ownership. I think it's more to do with where's the actual roster at, at this point in time? You know, what do they need? And, and like, how are they going to take the roster from what we saw where they were a frisky kind of wildcard team who they did great to make to the playoffs after, you know, being slated by much of the NFL. They kind of died for... Uh, interesting reasons down the stretch of the season and then they got blown out by a team who was a genuine Super Bowl contender and it kind of showed the difference between the two things and so how do you get from that point to now actually being able to compete against those teams and make a Super Bowl and really signing two two year one year uh, three year kind of ascending player contracts is the way to do that I think and and think about the age of these guys they're kind of Mm -hmm. in the middle bracket that Seattle is lacking uh, right. given they've got so many young players and, and then a f- very few small amount but they have old players too right and it's you know it's about going into the draft without holes or without many holes on your roster and in a way that uh has you keeps you covered uh but also doesn't handcuff you if you do end up drafting well and developing well and, and guys end up pushing the guys that you've signed etc so um 
it's all just kind of the a part of the what makes a healthy ecosystem of roster building. Yeah, yeah, and on that point, Ty, like I think when Evan Brown was signed, you know, there's takeaways before we saw it was largely before we saw the terms of the deal, mm. but. There are some people reading into it as though, like, oh, John Schneider's not going to take a center now because of this. It's not that. Like, if you look at how yeah. Schneider's built a roster every single season, he goes into a draft with every uh, starting position filled. He yeah. does not want to enter the draft without holes. So then, okay, you still have needs, like, you still have worse positions. You still have positions with less, uh, right. less quality, but also less uh, contract length or age concerns. And so you, you think you have to address them. But you can skew the kind of need versus best player available way of drafting more to that best player available side of thinking. So that, you know, Evan Brown doesn't stop Seattle drafting center. And I think, you know, the rumors of them really liking a, a, a is it John Michael? Yeah, John yeah, Michael John Schmitz. Schmitz. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you should read into that. You know, I think there's, there's absolutely a need at center still. And, Mm-hmm. If they were to draft a young guy, then let him let him compete. But it's all about basically having every spot filled, and and every one of these free agent signings is just that. It's not it's not saying hey, because uh, uh, we sort of had the same thing with Draymond Jones. It's not saying hey, Jalen Carter's off the board now. Like he might be, but that's not why they signed Draymond Jones. Aside from the fact that Draymond Jones is more of an outside player. Uh, than a Carter anyway, more of a kind of flex end than a uh, than a pure defense tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about. I mean, you mentioned you know we we talked about holes on the roster. Um, none bigger bigger than than inside linebacker for this team. And I've offered you my condolences on Cody Barton privately, but let me do it publicly as well. I'm sorry, pal. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, that's all good. Yeah. Uh, that's so very th- sincere of you. Thanks. Yes. Um. Now, you know, I got you back, man. <laughs> uh. So they did address the position. Uh. With the former first round pick out of Michigan, Devin Bush, uh, who had a fantastic rookie season, uh, towards the ACL the next year, and just hasn't been the same. He's been bad been really bad the last couple of years like let's just uh be honest about it so uh but this is an opportunity uh for a for a change of scenery uh for for bush and uh the seahawks are kind of you know taking an upside play taking a flyer on someone here that uh, is still 24 years old and is entering his fifth season it's pretty wild uh so he's still a really young guy um but uh i i am concerned about how much the the injury has sapped his athleticism because that's such a big part of his game. And there's also, you know, some issues with uh, some of his breeds and, and whatnot as well. So uh, they're, they're going to have some work to do with, uh, with Devin Bush if they think that he can actually start for this defense. Absolutely. Yeah. You are, uh, you are not on your microphone, pal. Did, I, I saw you scrambling. I saw you scrambling there for a second. And... <laughs> yeah yeah you're good now okay let me just we let go. me we're we're back oh hold on <laughs> right, now we're now we're good now we're, we're good we're good we're good we're good where, where matthew decided to ruin everything we're good now yeah we're good we're good yeah we're good 
Yeah. Dodgy cable. Right. Okay, Devin Bush, Ty. Re- Reflect the Sun says that they, uh, they sent sarcasm in my uh, condolences about Cody Barton. But uh, look, I'm a Cody Barton stan too. So yeah, we're we're never sarcastic. Yeah, we're never. we're never sarcastic. But like in this in this particular instance, I was actually being uh, at least fairly genuine because I I too like Cody Barton. I am not a Cody Barton suppressive person. We're always very earnest. Yes, all the time. And, anyway, Matthew, Devin Bush, Devin like Bush. Him? So the the reason I unplugged my mic was I was trying to get up uh, Devin Bush's testing at the NFL draft because mm. this guy if he came out today mm-hmm. would still be a first round pick like yeah obviously you know what you know now but he ran a 443 second 40 at 234 pounds mm-hmm. he jumped 40 and a half inches vertically 124 inches in the broad jump he had a crazy 693 seconds three cone time a uh, four two three second short shuttle. These are particularly those jumps and and the uh, and the forty. The, the, those are crazy numbers. Like you know, between ninety percentile and above. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, he only had thirty two inch arms. Seattle would prefer kind of a longer guy, and he is only five foot eleven. But like he was a college star at Michigan, and it just never panned out in Pittsburgh in a weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Now, what didn't help was tearing his ACL. That doesn't tend to help in twenty twenty week six. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That sucked. And that he never really recovered from that, it seems like, and never really learned. I think in in, in his rookie year, he was kind of used, uh, like sort of blitzed into situations, sort of acclimatizing to the way the Steelers are playing defense. Mm. I think he played some good football as well. I know he had some production on the football, some interceptions in his rookie year. But yeah, 2020, it, it kind of just derailed his whole career to this point. But the cool thing after the Steelers declined his fifth year option mm. and he became a free agent and I think he was losing snaps to like a seventh rounder last year, so, some kind of late round linebacker. But, you know, clearly Pittsburgh in their mind had moved on from from Bush and at the inside linebacker position. Maybe Seattle and their culture can rebuild this guy and, and help him fulfill the potential that saw him be the uh, top, yeah, the 10th overall pick in the 2019 draft. Hopefully, because... Mm. They have a massive need at inside linebacker. Would I have wanted heading into the season Cody Barton or Devin Bush? Hundred percent Cody Barton. Right. Does uh, Devin Bush have more potential than Barton? Uh, probably when coming into the league. Uh, and and this kind of reads to me from the outside mainly. It it kind of looks like it is a mental thing, uh, like a psychological thing. And what is Pete Carroll? He's a psychologist. He he is a motivator. And Mike Tomlin is a very, you know, crazy good coach at handling guys and, and man management being a, mm-hmm. you know, proper head coach. But it's a different style. And so maybe, again, that change of scene is what Bush needs and helps him become the player that, you know, saw him drafted so high. 
and again, he's so young, right? There's still he still has a lot of time, I think. Um, and you know, I, I, as well, you know, I think really what's important here too is that he's going to be further removed from the ACL injury. How how much does that help, yeah, if at all? That's crazy. Turns twenty five in July. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah, so he's going to play this season at age twenty five. That's and he's already has, let's say, three and a half years of experience of NFL experience. That's um, that's uh, you know that, that's pretty rare. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with this. It's it's a really like as far as you know this market goes, and you know I I know you and Griff are not big fans of this free agent market for the inside linebackers whatsoever. But as far as this goes, as far as you know what was left goes this is uh, at least there's something here at least there's something where i'm like okay i can cope a little bit with this so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll we'll see it's just it's it's such a like from everything that i've seen of bush the last couple of years i'm not i don't have really any expectations but i hope that they uh they may figure something out here they they think that they um they see something here um we have yeah, a, oh here you you finish your thought and then we'll get into no, the donation. No. no well we 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 should finish on the linebacker position okay so the seahawks decided not to tender restricted free agent linebacker tanner muse he was a big special teamer for seattle last year he actually appeared in every game for them and he also yeah. got some starting snaps when uh guys started getting hurt at that position he's very you know he had some big hits and stuff but there was a clear drop off from barton to him which i guess is to be expected mm-hmm. muse's main problem is that he just can't like move laterally he, he sort of struggles to uh right. uh re recalibrate uh d- divert his direction but mm-hmm. redirect that's the word there you go <laughs> nailed it mm-hmm but I think this is more not an indictment of Muse, and he may still end up back in Seattle. I think it's more yeah. that I think for whatever reason, I think his tender number was like two point two million dollars. Like it was a right. lot higher than the, the usual kind of tender mm-hmm. uh, because he was a restricted free agent. Um, but they did keep John Rattigan. John Rattigan, who was mm-hmm. a exclusive rights free agent. Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, because he was UF uh, UDFA like last year, right? Twenty twenty one. Right, and yeah. so Rattigan gets nine hundred forty thousand dollars, so like half, well, over half the money, and or less than half the money. And yeah, and he's been a special teams contributor. It, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's had some solid reps in the preseason. It was mm. interesting that he didn't get the shot over Muse last year, but you know maybe we have another preseason coming under off of an belt, injury though, staying yeah. healthy, not being hurt. Yeah, that yeah. maybe it pops for him. But you know he's on the outside looking in. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. It's kind mm. of a move you had to make for like the back end of the depth. Yeah, you you yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you need bodies right now. That's really what's important here. Like, yeah, you need starters, but you also just need guys because you don't have a lot of dudes right now in that position group so uh it was crucial to do that and yeah it, it makes a ton of sense to move on from someone like muse and um uh because of the the you know potential cap hit there because of the high number so like that's fine and maybe they circle back and re-up with muse at a lower number um mm. but yeah so 
Uh, by the way, so Jen, I know you're watching. We're going to get to your donation here a little bit later on. We're going to talk about Julian Love first. But uh, just to wrap up on the linebacker position, clearly this team is is far from done with it, or at least they need to be far from done with it. Uh, because Bush, I mean, look, again, everything that I, I've seen from Devin Bush the last couple of years, I don't think they should be going into the regular season with him essentially penciled in or even written in pen as the starter. You've watched uh, the tape, Ty. Watched a little bit of tape, actually. I have. I have. I, I've been I've been watching some tape. Some actual tape. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to do a little bit more of that. Uh it's not great though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great. Um but you know, I, I I wish the best for the guy and I hope that, you know, the Seahawks are right and and there's something here. But uh I would like a little bit more security here. Uh, if I'm speaking candidly. And I am. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as Barton was a scapegoat last year, for, you know, maybe people didn't realize what solid linebacker play looks like compared to like really bad. I mean, just look at the 49ers game for mm. that really bad like, yeah. in the playoffs. But. Yeah, and and you know maybe Bush won't be really bad, but he has been. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. So Julian Love, this is the most interesting signing I think of the whole offseason thus far here in the early going for the Seahawks because there's a lot that could come from this, or there could be nothing that comes from this. So there's been a lot of speculation on Twitter the whole day ever since this deal was reported because. Not only was Devin Bush signed, but the Seahawks also signed Julian Love after having both uh, out for uh, free agent visits on Thursday. Uh, Julian Love, of course, uh, safety from the Giants. He's started all 16 games this past year. He started 32 games over his four years uh, in New York. Uh, Pretty good player. Um, But this obviously brings up a couple of questions. What's going on with Jamal Adams? That's kind of the big one here that a lot of people are talking about right now on social media. The other is, what does this mean for Ryan Neal, if anything? Because they gave him the, you know, we talked about tenders. They gave him the lowest tender possible after a, you know, a pretty solid season. So, um, for me, I I think people are overthinking this. I think love is just the nickel, and that's it. And this really doesn't say anything about Jamal Adams or Ryan Neal. Like I, I think he's a hedge for. Adams's health, right? If Jamal's not able to go right away. Uh, and I think that aspect of it doesn't hurt, but I don't think that he was brought in for that sole purpose, that he was brought in because of Jamal, because of what's going on with Jamal, or even because of what's going on with Ryan Neal. You feel the same? What, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it's interesting that this love contract, did you mention the financials? Sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. So it's, a, it's $6 million per year. It's a two-year deal, so two-year $12 million. And uh, we don't have the cap hit on it uh, yet, exactly. So we, There we don't you go, know. cash man. Yeah, so we don't know exactly if it's, uh, you know, $6 million flat cap hit or whatever. We'll, we'll see how it's structured. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty substantial contract, especially when you see like someone like Jordan Ployer signed for two-year $10 million. So, right. Um, well, it, it, to me, is that's interesting as well, like the length. Yeah. So, right, because like, the thing that we have to mention here is Jamal and Quandre are both not guaranteed money beyond, beyond this year, right? Right, which is exactly what makes it a hedge. 
like, and and we have to talk about Jamal Adams. Right. That injury is it looks comp- absolutely brutal, mm. and he's been posting his rehab where he it seems like he's had to learn how to walk again, and 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 then run again. And even running, it's obvious that he's favoring, you know, his healthy leg over over the other one. So there's a question mark there of, you know, whether he can be medically cleared to play again. I'm sure he'd be backing himself to absolutely. It's not even a question. Yeah. And the commitment he's put in off the off the field for for that process is, at, you know, just you can't imagine how tough something like that rehabbing like a brutal sports injury to try and play in the brutal sport again. Uh, uh, can be, but like that is a big question mark, and so you did kind of need more insurance than just Ryan Neal there. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing with Love is you mentioned his kind of nickel background. By the way, he turns twenty five years old this Sunday, so there you go. So he's also twenty four. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and he's well, had four seasons. Yeah, for yeah. for 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 two days, he's twenty four. But yeah. uh. Yeah, his his kind of nickely background is interesting as well. So he he was like more like a kind of a strong safety in in that system in like when they cover three or in base, and then playing like man to man in the slot on on mm. guys as well. Mm. But then in in two high he'd play uh, more to the passing strength, almost like a like sometimes. So he's kind of like a nickel. He's kind of like a passing. He's more of like a pass coverage guy, but with a bit more of a safety body. And you know he's five ten, probably like two hundred pounds. And so, why that's interesting is last year before Jamal Adams got hurt, all the talk from camp, everything we heard was that Seattle wanted to run Adams in like big nickel looks. So Kobe Bryant or whoever the nickel, you know, the the corner, the nickel corner would have been, mm-hmm. would be off the field, and Jamal Adams would come in, and Seattle would run what the Fangio tree calls Penny. But is basically a, a bare front, but with nickel personnel, but with big nickel personnel. So yeah. it's a three-three-five with Adams, it like over the slot. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, and then maybe like basically three safeties on the field rather than having a, a corner out there, a nickel right. corner. So why that's good is it means you can get more of like a a kind of you're not too light. So when Seattle, Seattle did this in the past in 2021, they called it Falcon and Ugo Armadi was the, 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 the guy. And he'd, mm. he'd come into the box and he'd, he'd do run fit stuff. He'd be fine doing it. But mm. your concern obviously is with Kobe Bryant doing that, even Armadi, there's like a, a matchup thing where you're like, mm, is this really the right thing? Yeah. But L- love could definitely do that. And he can run and hit and tackle. Like his yeah, he's tackling a really good tackler. Is brilliant. Yeah. And so if Jamal can't go, then I think Love can be that. And he also has experience as a blitzing uh, blitzer and playing mugs down at the line of scrimmage. He is kind of an Adams. If Adams isn't ready to go, he can play. Then if Adams is ready to go, great. That's that's bloody awesome. brilliant. Jamal yeah. Adams is in there. But Seattle, when it's clear passing downs, will still want to play dime, six DBs, but that's uh, still with four safeties. Two corners, four... No, three safeties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three safeties. So, again, Diggs, Adams, and then maybe Love over Ryan Neal. It's basically your best dude. Mm -hmm. So, 
but I, I think Love will play a, a lot of football because I, I don't see, I mean, I'd like to be wrong. I don't see how Adams is ready to go. Uh, and, I, and I think this 3-3-5 thing, why that's important, the bare nickel front, is last year, Seattle, when they were nickel, for the vast majority of games, they played a 2-4-5 front mm-hmm. and an over-G front where mm-hmm. they got run on badly in all situations. 3-3-5 mm-hmm. three, three, is kind of leaning more towards your your base principles of stopping the run. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more stout against the run, basically, but it also gives you a bit more coverage. And it's kind of like a halfway house between the two, and it might be their approach to... Like maybe they swap out some of the crazy two four five snaps to play a bit more three three five, and like Seattle showed a tiny bit of it. Like if you remember when they signed Jonathan Abram, mm-hmm. he actually uh, his first game he was playing in that against the Chiefs. Was it Kansas City? Or may, may yeah, have been yeah, that was his, that was his first game. Yeah, yeah, and so they kind of unfilled it a bit, but not fully. Mm-hmm. And I think Love is this guy who can he can do that. Um, he's he's more like a. And so when it comes to Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. I don't sure they'll be competing for reps and snaps, but I think Kobe Bryant comes in when you, when you want to be able to play coverage, uh, more kind of man to man stuff on a, on a slot receiver, mm-hmm. you can play matchups more. Kobe's obviously a different type of player. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it's slight competition for Kobe, but it's different roles. Like love is a, a safety who can play in the slot. Bryant is a, a corner who can play in the slot and mm-hmm. those skill sets matter. Yeah. So I think really the, the question here now is if you don't think that Jamal can play at least right away, do you cut him? Because they, they have to, and they have to kind of make that decision soon. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I read earlier today that, uh, part of his salary becomes guaranteed on the fifth day of the new league year, which is three days from now, two days from now. New league year was on Wednesday, right? It's Friday, so Monday. So they have to do that by Monday. Um, and they can post June 1, designate him, which would essentially save $8.5 million towards the cap. Um, and that's, Jen has a question of, you know, uh, with the donation about restructures extensions etc because i mean you look at this julian love deal we don't know how much uh jaron reed's deal is going to count towards the cap we don't know yet about uh drew lock I, I, and uh devin bush as well so uh they're gonna have to do something here to clear cap space because they after the evan brown deal got reported over the cap has them around seven million dollars in effective cap space so Maybe that's as simple as just moving on from Adams, which really stings. But I don't know. What do you What do you think? Yeah. So the savings are what Cashman. Uh, so it's eight and a half million dollars if they post June one, designate him. Yeah. So I I don't really think the savings are worth justifying doing that given your investment. Right. I think you right. I think you sort of have to wait that out knowing what Jamal can be, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a discussion and it's noteworthy that Bob Condotta reported that, you know, the, the, the team isn't, this isn't like a replacement. Love isn't a replacement for Adams. Like right. this is kind of a separate deal, right? but they'll have talked about it and mm-hmm. 
maybe you know when did they have to make the decision by uh monday i think is when part of his salary becomes guaranteed yeah i don't think i don't think they'll do that i wouldn't do it well because you just you don't have enough information at this time yeah and adams at his best is absolutely fantastic like do it all safety and you gave up so much so many picks for him that i think you can you should be more patient yeah so So like what eight and a half million dollars could get you elsewhere you know it can get you bobby wagner (laughs) right yeah yeah uh I don't know. Like it, it depends on what else they want to do, right? Because like Schneider yesterday on the radio said like they're talking to defensive linemen still. Um, I would assume that Shelby Harris is one of those guys. Uh and you know, they they might want to add a running back here because they've lost Penny and they've lost um Travis Homer Homer. Maybe there's a veteran uh back that they would like to add. Um maybe they want to look at a, a receiver as well. Like they there's still things that they could do here um, that's going to cost money that they just don't really have right now. So I, I think this is actually a good segue into Jen's question real quick. Uh, when do you think the team will do extensions like Chen and Nwosu, uh, and any restructures like Jamal Diggs Lockett to create cap space? Love you guys. And show is five stars. Thank you so much, Jen. So kind of you. Um, Thanks, Jen. Yeah. So it's got to happen soon because again um their number is running out and i think after these love lock uh bush and reed deals get reported they're going to be over their effective cap limit so not the effective cap limit yeah yeah which like they're not going to be over the cap because that the effective cap limit essentially it, it it adjusts for the draft picks that you're set to make and what those valuations are. So um, it's not like they're going to be in the penalty at this moment, but you don't really want to do that. That's kind of like, that's not really a spot that you want to find yourself in. So you want to be able to balance that. So they're going to need to do this stuff, whatever it is, whether it's restructures, whether it's a Chen and uh, extension, which they should do because he had a great year and he's only on a you know one year deal now. Like they should do that, um, yeah. So they're they're gonna have to do something like that, uh, pretty quick here. I don't know when, but it's gonna have to happen probably within the next week or so. I would think. Yeah, I'd say restructures of Diggs and Lockett are probably mm-hmm. more likely. Right. Because I think Nwosu seems like something would, which would take a while to kind of work out. Yeah, that's probably more of a summer thing. It is, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, would he want to wait out and just try and have an absolute crazy season? Like, yeah. in his good point eyes, too. if he has another season, then his the price goes even more up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if um, he proves that he can do it again. Yeah, he could definitely bet on himself. And, you know, I wouldn't uh, blame him for that. So, yeah. And, and interesting, the most you look at his contract now, like, that was a two year deal. And, similar kind of thinking to what they're doing this year with with a, a Draymond Jones is basically two years, twenty eight yeah, million dollars. Yeah. Like they're yeah. trying to hit on these ascending guys who have been active and have had established production over the years who, who maybe just haven't quite had the jo- full Julian Love. Out. Yeah. 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 
um brennan comes through with ten dollars here Why oh and you... brendan mm-hmm. you know you know who brendan is ty mm-hmm. that's elm coffee roasters oh right thank you so much we we gotta we gotta go, uh, swing through um coffee yeah, roasters we... at some point whenever yeah, we're one in day town. we actually yeah. will yeah whenever we're in town Just, we're not in seattle but if yeah. you are in seattle check out elm coffee because brendan is a good guy yeah shout out to brennan brennan's awesome brennan's been a supporter for a long time um why did maddie at clint hurt with the, that broncos front three four under no need to address just curious why, well, why we're did you addressing add, now so yeah why, why did you add clint hurt maddie you toxic son of a gun i so brennan's wrote that correctly like it was at space clint hurt so i didn't directly at clint hurt yeah, yeah. if he yeah. was on twitter maybe i would have i've i've tried i've searched um mm-hmm. yeah uh, so Brennan, basically the same thing of what I was saying earlier. What we've been harping on the whole off season, how they ran, they ran so much two four five nickel that uh, uh, presumably for coverage, right? And it, it mm-hmm. did help coverage, but they got run on so bad. And that Broncos front was interesting because they had re- the edges really wide, um, covering down on the slot receiver. Um, mm-hmm. And it it basically was a way of getting coverage, but having a front which is more suited to playing the run. Um, I think it was nickel personnel as well. So it was kind of like a, you know, we just talked about the three three five bear. It was kind of like a a three three five bear, but bumped into under, which allowed them to um, play the run, but also cover down on slots and, and right. uh, yeah, right. so coverage and a bit more of a run thing going on. But yeah, good good question. What else we got? Got a Jalen Carter question. Yeah. Carter can be a guy does that fix the problems with the scheme. Uh well that's first the first part of that is a big if, right? It's a major if. You you and Griff have talked about that pretty well, we we haven't actually talked about the so the recent news is Jalen Carter uh, mm-hmm. had his pro day. Oh, you haven't talked about that. No, oh, we okay. didn't talk about that. Okay, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's answer the the question directly here. Does that fix the problems with the scheme? If if let's just say the Seahawks do draft Carter, he is who we think he can be as a player. Does that fix everything? Maddie? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Mm. So Carter is like a dominant dominant player and kind mm-hmm. of wrecks stuff. And he's that kind of dude who, if you're going to sit in two, four, five fronts like they did last year, and you're going to have uh, do it in all manner of situations, and you're going to try and hold two high safeties back. Seattle kind of cheated away from that uh, towards the end because they were getting desperate. Or mm-hmm. you're going to have always have two wide edges who are outside linebackers, so lighter types. Mm-hmm. Carter's the guy who can cheat the math on the interior, and he can just make plays where Pete Carroll said it himself, how like any defense you run, if you beat a block, you look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Carter can do that it, for, for, from all manner of techniques. Now, you still have to stop scheming so so arrogantly. Like You have to think about the other 10 guys, specifically the other uh, four guys up front or five guys. But Carter would go a heck of a way of solving that. Like he is kind of the dream player for Seattle in terms of what his skill set is. 
However, mm. Ty, his pro day did not go very well. It did not. Um, and he wasn't even able to finish his drills. He showed up to the pro day, uh, of course, uh, nine pounds over what he was at the combine. Um, and really, you know, where my mind first goes to, it's not about how this impacts his draft stock or really anything like that. I just, I, I, I worry about, you know, a 21 year old kid who's going through a lot, um, and how that's impacted him mentally. Um, and so it, it just, and, and we've even heard it from, you know, folks that have been around Georgia, uh, or just fans of Georgia football that there's something off here. Um, with, with Jalen. Uh, so that, uh, that's really where my concern is. Uh, you know, I just, I, I hope the best for his, you know, personal well being. Um, from a football standpoint, and as far as the, the number five pick goes for the Seahawks, I, I just, I, I have a hard time feeling like they're, uh, they still have him on their, on their board. And Maddie, we, we've heard some things too that, uh, may allude to that as well um so for me as far as where i stand on this you know i'm open to the idea of them still drafting carter if they've done their due diligence if they've talked to him if they've you know if if they feel that they have enough information to justify making that pick but you have to be very 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 sure about that because Look, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they've talked about how rare of an opportunity this is for them to draft this high. They're probably never going to have this opportunity again unless disaster, absolute disaster strikes. And so, and at that point, you probably have bigger issues than just picking high. Because, um, you know, with someone like this, with a, with a top five pick, they don't necessarily need to be the face of your franchise, but they have to be one of the guys. They have to be one of those dudes. And so if if you can't trust Jalen Carter, if you feel that you can't trust him to um you know be on his P's and Q's, essentially just to kind of use a blanket statement there, um then you probably should look elsewhere. You know, whether that's Will Anderson, whether that's you know, if they have the opportunity to draft him, whether that's Tyree Wilson, whether that's a trade down and someone like Christian Gonzalez or maybe one of the receivers, whatever. Um, you just, you have to be sure of it. You have to be sure that you can trust that guy. And I just, I don't know if he's just from the outside looking in. And again, we're, you know, we're not in these buildings. We don't, you know, we don't know what these conversations are like. We don't know the the information that the Seahawks have about Jalen Carter and what they've gathered in their own research. Um, but just from the outside looking in, I just feel like there's too many question marks to justify it at this point. Yes. A pretty sad story, but you know, coming in nine pounds heavier at his pro day, yeah, uh, than he was at the combine, not, unable to finish position drills, uh, looking exhausted through the bags, like it yeah. collapsed, uh, look at, like panting and took yeah. his top off, and it looked like uh, there was some bad weight there, we'll say politely, um, yeah, 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 it's just this is tough, so yeah, that's a it is a big if, and and yeah, if if Seattle feels good about it then they could i support him. it yeah that, you know as you've said he's the best player in the draft like based off his yeah. tape but just all this other stuff which is very unfortunate yeah like if, if they feel they're confident in the research that they've done the the due diligence that they've done then 
you know, I support that until they give me a reason not to, right? Or until Carter gives me a reason not to, you know, I'll, I'll put my trust in the the people that get paid millions of dollars to do this stuff to, you know, to be on it. And obviously there's a lot of times where teams make mistakes with this um, and they're not right. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think... I don't know. It's just, it's such a huge decision in terms of just the future of the franchise uh, in in 2023 as well, because if Carter is who we think he is, you know, that doesn't fix all the problems just to, to, you know, circle this back to to the conversation or to the, to the question, but, uh, or to U-turn even uh, bringing that one back. Yeah, there we go. Haven't, haven't said that in a few weeks. Um, But to, um, yeah, just to bring it back to that question, you know, I, I, I think that um, it does help a lot. It does. It's a very, it's a very impactful addition if he is the guy that we all think that he is, and and he's able to, you know, get back on the right track on a, on a personal level. So, you know, because again, like there, this could go two ways, right? You dodge a bullet, or you make the biggest mistake of your life not drafting him. Because I, I think at this point. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have the opportunity to draft him. I don't think he's going to number three uh, to the to the Cardinals. I'd be stunned by that after everything that's happened here. I think the Cardinals are either taking Anderson, maybe Tyree Wilson, or trading out of that spot. Yeah, and so so it's gonna it's gonna be a really you know the the Seahawks are gonna find themselves in a really tough spot because you know this could be the the one of the biggest draft misses of schneider's tenure or it could be you know again like i said one of the biggest bullets he's dodged yeah and he said in his radio show ty about how when you're when you're drafting at that spot the ledges become that you know they kind of they're tighter like this there's less especially in the draft certain drafts which you know a lot of people said there's less really top players in this and i'd agree with that Mm. yeah there's you know you have to know more about the the lesser amount of guys and they right. need to know so much about carter because if if they if he's off the board then maybe that's the end of that ledge right. i mean i think it is yeah uh and then what do you do are you able to trade down like yeah and how and how much is the trade down worth because what's the cliff after the first cliff right like how steep is that yeah and so you know, is it worth trading down to 10 and getting, say, another first round pick from the Eagles, which is probably going to be like if it's a future first round pick, that's probably going to be in the, you know, high 20s to, to even the 30s if they're competing like the way that they did this past year. Is that actually worth, you know, missing out on a Christian Gonzalez or a Tyree Wilson or whatever and then ending up with, you know, probably overdrafting someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba? or Lucas Van Ness, you know, or whatever, you know, because like, again, too, like there aren't a lot of perfect fits for the Seahawks for me uh, beyond five. Like a lot of it is like, you know, one of the the bigger names there that would make sense more in that eight to 10 range would be like Peter Skaronsky, but it's like, where are you going to play him? Like that doesn't make any sense. So you don't want to do that. Christian Gonzalez would, you know, make some sense, but you have quite a you know quite a bit of cornerback depth in general. You got some guys that you really like, and he might be gone by like seven. Yeah. So you know, you, so if you trade back to like eight, nine, ten, eleven, wherever, 
you might not even have a chance to draft him. So at that point, you're talking receivers. You're talking Lucas Finesse. You're talking Brian Branch, who, I mean, after the Julian Love signing, and if you bring back Ryan Neal, and if Jamal Adams is part of this thing, does that make any sense? I, you know, I don't know. So, like, there just isn't really a perfect answer here. Like, there's not. a lot more clarity at number 20 than there is at five for me. Yes, an odd spot in the draft. At least, you know, there's so many teams ahead of Seattle who need a quarterback. Because can you imagine if, like, if there wasn't these quarterbacks, then it'd be even yeah. weirder. Like, By the way, like, I'll, because I'll, Wilhouse here in the chat mentioned Michael Mayer. I mean, if there isn't really a perfect fit at number 10 or wherever you end up trading down from, would you, because I know you guys love Michael Mayer and you put out a great piece on your sub stack. Uh, oh, yeah. Seahawks, Seahawks on, on tape. tape. Subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would would you draft Mayer that high? That's where him. positional value becomes a thing because it's yeah. like, we could, you know, what are we doing here? Um, but I do like Mayer. He is. Yeah. Oh, I like him a lot too. So <laughs> good job we don't work in an NFL front office. I'd probably draw. I'd, I'd probably draft Mayor at five. We'd let Gr- the uh, Griff would definitely draft Mayor at five. No, we'd let the clock expire. We'd, we'd <laughs> get in an argument, and then we'd go and get coffee at uh, at Brendan's. There you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so finally, Ty, we touched on some tender news. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not delicate, but as in actual players receiving a right. tender, and right. not chicken tenders. Not oh, where mm-hmm. are we at with chicken tenders? Yeah, let's do a chicken tender tier list. They're just like a way of saying it's just charging more money for chicken nugget, right? Yeah, no, yeah, that's the thing, right? So like at McDonald's, right? They offer like the chicken tenders, like the three piece chicken tenders, or like mm-hmm. ten piece. Dude, I want the ten piece nugget, <laughs> like. Oh, you're you're like that twisted with it. Okay. Yeah, you know, like I don't want the three piece tender. I want it, or like six piece nugget, whatever. Like I don't like that just feels like why? I don't know. Just chicken tenders feel pointless to me. I've never had a chicken tender where I'm like, this is my preferred uh, way of eating chicken. It seems like marketing. Actually, that's a lot. I had some pretty good lemon pepper chicken tenders at uh at this chain called kelsey's a few weeks ago in fact i was watching julian love and the giants get smoked by the eagles in the playoffs while doing it there you go yeah just to buy the seahawks into this whole thing no yeah i'm still thinking about tenders but my problem with them is they're just they're just like it's just a marketing name they're just chicken there's just breaded chicken, like it's just more, yeah. It's just fried chicken. It's just fried chicken, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. let's just call it. What was wrong with calling that breast or like you know, fillet or? Yeah, it's yeah. It's like we call chicken. we call like breaded chicken in this country. We call it goujons. Goujons. Yeah. Damn, that's fancy. That's French. That's a, the, that honestly sounds a lot less gross than saying breast. So I might just say goujons. Oh, breast is gross now. There I, we go. Well. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. Anyway, so Ty, the the Seahawks also tendered Ryan Neal, which you sort of spoke about, but it is you know you mentioned how it's kind of like a lesser tender, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like the lowest tender that they could possibly apply to him. Yeah, they have the right of first refusal. 
Yeah. He, he gets $2.6 million in 2023 if he signs that offer. Uh, I don't know if he signed it yet. Uh, does he have to? Like, does he have to, like, if he's exploring other options? Yeah, I don't, maybe not. Like, does he only sign it if he's actually returning to the team? I don't know. I th- see this is where, like, this is where it gets like way too convoluted, <laughs> like, uh, absolutely like re- restricted free agency in the NFL and like exclusive rights free agency and all that stuff. Like, that I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't answer you on that. There you go. Sorry, anyway. So, tender wise, also, they, they did John Raskin, which we spoke about, but. A defensive lineman, Miles Adams, also uh, received the. There we go. Uh, uh, he received. It's Miles Adams' season, baby. We don't need Shelby Harris. Thousand dollars. So good for him. Yeah. We don't need Greg Gaines. We don't need Ashawn Robinson. We got Miles Adams. Well, if they like actually played him in the right that front, would be, yeah, like, that would be and let him awesome. play street tech. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not being sarcastic by fun. the way. I think I think Miles Adams is actually legitimately good. <laughs> they just need to play him. Play five tech in an under front, like then we're cooking. Don't say, "Hey, buddy, we're gonna play you this game, but only as a two eye nose tackle yeah. in the two four hell front." Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's have you do the have thing that you're that. you're not going to have any success. Yeah. I thought Pete Carroll was about, you know, putting his guys in the right position to succeed, you know, asking them to do what they can, not what they can't. Uh, But he is also about giving his coaches uh, autonomy and authority, Mm. you know, and freedom. Mm. So it's time for him to take back the reins, Maddie. Oh, (laughs) there you go. Anyway, so good for Miles Adams. And, you know, that is a depth piece that I think a lot of people uh you know overlook is like a three four right. end and this might be his breakout year hopefully yep. right final tender super exciting Are you ready for it high mm. mike jackson left cornerback let's go let's go mike jack yeah this is cool like this is really cool. cool yeah no this is really cool he had a, a nice season you know starting opposite uh Tariq and obviously Tariq gets all the you know praise and accolades and all that stuff uh but uh mike was uh was pretty damn good uh this past year um you know and and i thought he got um a bit better as the, the season went along as well um yeah i mean going into the season i'm he had started what five career games something like that like something really small like he, Red, he started yeah, yeah yeah he started a few, you know he started a couple games towards the end of 2021 for for seattle um so going into this year pretty much the starter from week one and with very little, you know, actual starting experience and doing what he did this year. Pretty impressive. Yeah, he quietly kind of made the left side his own. There was very few times that he got beat, uh, especially deep. And yeah. variety of techniques, he kind of got burst and twitched to him. Uh, didn't mess up too often. A few things against the run, which he'd have liked to have been better. But like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And and, and he, there was a mic'd up uh, segment that the Seahawks released on their YouTube channel from week 18 versus the Rams where yeah. he just seems like a cool, uh, calm, collected customer, which is what you want from your cornerback. And yeah. and also seems very switched on. 
So yeah. good for him. Like, and this is a great chance for him after this year to go and earn some like, serious money. Like, yeah, interesting. Sure. I guess that I heard there was murmurings that Seattle had serious interest in in trying to go and get uh, Darius Slay from the Philadelphia Eagles. It had been reported that Darius Slay had been released. Yeah. Turns out he wasn't, and maybe there was some, you know, stoking up of agents to then negotiate with the Eagles. Perhaps. Well, I thought I thought he was released, but they gave him a new deal. Like they ripped up the old contract and gave him a new deal. I don't think they actually released him. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that yeah, it was like a, a game of bluffing. I don't. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so. Seattle may be trying to get more left corner competition for Jackson. Obviously, Trey Brown is there, but whatever the case, whatever they go with, Jackson will be given that spot to lose. Like he's earned that and right. he'll 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 compete still, but he has this position to lose. And and that's cool mm. because remember last, this time last season, Seattle had very much no certainty. A left corner. It was unknown, um, given Trey Brown's injury and and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, former fifth round pick, and he's uh, twenty six years old, so he's still relatively young. Should be hitting his prime. Good for him, and also credit to Kyle Scott, who can you know be the be the you know t- take a lot of uh, pride in how he's coached up those corners. Deshaun Shed also works the corners as well, mm-hmm. so. Cool stuff. Didn't uh, didn't Shed recently get a promotion? Because they, they announced he's promoted. I think maybe his title changed from assistant coach to assistant coach slash cornerbacks. But ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, just different role, different title, whatever. Gotcha. There you go. That okay. is Seahawks free agency done. They will still sign people. We will still have news to talk about, and Ty and I will be there. But until that point. Mm. Let's draft stuff. Griff mm-hmm. and I on Sunday, I think we agreed. Ooh. We'll have to see what what Chief Keith. You're going to have to go to timeout, pal. Oh, Chief Keith. What, what are we doing here, Chief Keith? That's you're not gonna... like Chief. I don't think the real Chief Keith would would behave in that way. That's the shit I don't like. No. Get it. <laughs> Like the, I do get it. Like uh, so okay. I, I, I'm too slow to think of a, a similarly witty. Uh, I mean, yeah, we don't love Sosa right now. <laughs> I can't believe that song is like over a decade old now. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure that like came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Don't like, don't like. He anyway. had um. Oh, I can't remember. It's too late. Right. Anyway, we will have draft stuff. Like the video. How are we, Ty? How are we doing on the likes? Let's uh, let's check that out because we got yeah. sixty viewers right now. Yeah. Yeah. As I was saying, now. this Sunday, maybe Monday, Griff and I are going over all the edge rushers from the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them. Yeah. Actually, all probably not all of them, but like quite a few of them. So make sure you tune in for that because be we we we've got uh, thirty five likes out of fifty seven viewers, and we have is... more than that. So you got to like more the video. Than that. Yeah, you download like the, the show, five star reviews. Right. Follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Do all of that stuff. We appreciate mm-hmm. you. It's going well so far for the Seahawks, I think. That's right. But don't follow at C Mike Spin Move. He's a Draymond Jones suppressive person. So 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not that either. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Maddie is definitely not that. Maddie loves Draymond Jones. Yeah, I love watching uh, loads of uh, speed rush gets told by guard and uh, like loads of wide wins and uh, yeah, like some like yeah terrible combo block play and mm-hmm. only able to win one on one. Yeah, I love that. 